Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. Coming up in 20 minutes, Dan Dockage from OutKick.com and Don't At Me with Dan Dockage on the OutKick network. He'll be with us. Looking forward to that chat, as always. We'll ask him about Kyrie Irving and uh, the drama-filled Brooklyn Nets-Boston Celtics series that continues tonight. Um, the rare early playoff series that we're interested in. We've got details on that with Dan and many other headlines. Uh, the headline today is Devo Samuel wants out of San Francisco. He's told the 49ers he wants to be traded. Guys, I think in large part, this has to do with his position. Um, while Kyle Shanahan has worked wonders with him, I would be willing to bet that the 49ers want to give him more running back money than total wide receiver money. That's not good for a long-term extension for Debo Samuel. He would rather be traded to a team that's likely going to trade and sign him as a wideout and not a wide back. I don't know how you would phrase Debo Samuel. But on any given stat line, I'd say he averaged around the same number of carries as he had catches for San Francisco last year. 59 rushes and uh, 77 receptions. And he was used much more after the injuries. 21 targets. So Debo doesn't want to be used this way anymore. Because well, he's going to get paid as that. Yeah, it's more lucrative to be a pass catcher than a running ball back. carrier. But anyone who acquires him will want to use him that way. Yeah. Yes, but if you're acquiring him, you're extending him now, which in theory gives him more money now than what San Francisco's probably Pay me like a wide receiver, then do with, with me what you will, I would say, right? Pay yeah. me like a wide receiver, then you can. I'm happy to be used both ways because that's what brought him his notoriety. Really. I, I, think it, I think it's fair to assume that if a team trades for him, Chad, they're not – Teams aren't trading for running backs right now. They're trading for wide receivers. Yeah. San Francisco, though, if you're if if I'm San Francisco, I I think it's smart to say, well, you know, you want wide receiver money. You're half running back in our offense, so let's go. Let's start. Let's start going to town on the negotiation. Yeah. Like, like you're you're probably looking for a mix of the two positions than just number one wide receiver. Yeah, and I would say part of the reason you're averaging 18.2 yards of reception is because. People are thinking sometimes also, you're like, going to go into the backfield and get the ball. He's also extremely valuable to their offense. Like, I understand both sides of the argument. Um, and uh, San Francisco's argument is you've done this for like 10 or 11 games and not three consecutive years. I don't know about you guys. I am really ready for the draft to get here and have actual draft to discuss. Not because we've spent an inordinate amount of time talking draft in the buildup to this year's draft, but because I don't want to talk about this stuff anymore. I'm ready for this to be over with. I'm ready for this draft process to play out well, and, and these things to be finalized. I'm more interested, I guess, in what I'm saying is not – we know Debo Samuel's not happy in his current contract with the 49ers. Same goes for A.J. Brown. I'm ready for the resolution and what that looks like. 
if Debo Samuel, who's demanded a trade, A.J. Brown has not done that yet, but if he's granted that trade, what does that look like now for the 49ers and the trading partner? What does happiness look like for A.J. Brown if they extend him? It, all these things I'm more interested in than it feels like Groundhog Day. Yeah, these things could linger for a long time. Yeah, I don't know, I don't don't know what's going to change. Before the draft. It's a lot like Aaron Rodgers a year ago. It was, you know, I, I was thinking at the time, man, he's called them on their bluff. They got to fire their GM in order for their MVP quarterback to come back. Didn't work out that way. They made amends before the season he came back, but it felt like Groundhog Day every day thinking about the same thing. Well, what's going to happen with this? I kind of feel the same about A.J. Brown now and, and Debo Sim. I'm sure that A.J. Brown could probably scrub all the photos of him in Titans gear off his social media. That'd be another topic to, to discuss, but what's next for these guys, I guess, is the question. Well, I Other would- than resolution and resolution quickly, hopefully. Debo Samuel impacts a Super Bowl-type performance more than any skill position that they're going to draft in the top 10. That's why it's a major headline today. Debo, uh, Tyreek Hill going to the Miami Dolphins made Miami relevant. No first-round pick's going to do that. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. They still haven't, they haven't traded him yet. Yeah, the, these it are seems like they're willing to, to pay him something they but whatever they've negotiated yet. is not what the he wants right now. The news is today that he's demanded a trade for the first time. He yes. has let San Francisco know he wants a trade. He is asking to be traded. Not asking to be re-signed or extended. He's asking to be traded. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that was always what he wanted if they're not going to pay him. The same for A.J. Brown. It's just making the formal request. Oh, I don't think you're going to pay me, so now I want to get traded. It doesn't really change anything other than the 49ers now come back and say, no, we're going to extend you for this much. We're going to get more serious about that. Or, you're right, you're a, you're a running back. And, if they and ex- we're going to treat you as such, and we'll trade you to someone to pay If they extend for this much, then that greatly impacts the other players who are trying to play the same ball game that Depot Samuel's playing right now. Yeah, and I, I'm ready for that to happen. I'm ready for them to extend him or not. Same goes for A.J. Brown. Well, it'd be interesting to That's see. That's all I'm saying. I'm ready for the draft next week. It'd be interesting to see how many of these tie into draft stuff and Peter King indicated he thought that there would be more trades involving players. And he wasn't necessarily talking big stuff like this, but that'll be interesting too. You know, uh, pick X and player Y for this pick, uh, more so than usual. And, and we'll see if the draft prompts resolution on Baker Mayfield on any of these receivers or if they're quick resolution on the other side of the draft based on what teams do or don't do. Um, like, if it doesn't happen for Baker Mayfield during or after the draft, uh, that's going to be really interesting. Shibway is returning to Kentucky. The National Player of the Year in college basketball is returning to college hoops. Um, Not good for your Vols. Is it out that, uh, that what he will be getting paid to stay? No. It's not out, but that's the immediate speculation. That's the Every single question was, how much is he getting paid to stay at Kentucky? And that was my topic last, He's also, a couple weeks ago with Brandon Wright, is how much would it cost Keith. for a top upper echelon program, or any program now, to pay a player to not go to the draft a year early or two years early? He's also a second-round pick in every mock I've seen, and, and in some cases, very late second round, which surprised me. So never a slam dunk that he was going to be a first-round pick and He's that he should go. Gain. He's got a lot to gain financially by staying at Kentucky. And a lot to gain because yeah, he may, can maybe. get himself into the I first mean, I don't round, know. 
He seems like a pretty. He was the national player of the year. I don't know what. Yeah, more what, there I don't know what else he could do I, other than he's just saying I'm going to make more money here than the G League, right? Because I get drafted in the second round, I'm not going to make as much. So I'm going to make it Kentucky. So then he's they the first send me to the G League. Since Tyler Hansbrough to win the award and then return to. College. I think this is incredibly smart by Oscar Sheboy. Quite frankly, I think more players at programs like Kentucky or anywhere that can pay now and meet every NIL demand you might have. If I am not a lottery, and I'm not talking about a just rumored to be a lottery pick. If I am not Paolo Bancaro, who also announced he's going pro today, if I'm not assured a top 10 pick or a lottery pick, assured of it, or as close as you can get to, to any assurance, I'm coming back to one of these programs and making that kind of money for half the amount of games over the course of a season, a possible NCAA tournament run. Um, I, think it's, I think it's smart. I think Kennedy Chandler, Tennessee is a good example. His late season push got him securely into the first round. So he did what he should do. You know, he's probably going to be a borderline lottery pick, first round pick. So I have no problem with him going pro. But if Kennedy Chandler remained a second round pick or even early second round pick, I think it would have benefited him to come back for a year. And, and, <laughs> and, and keep in mind also to what you're saying, Hutton, there's a lot more to be gained and improved upon with a Kennedy Chandler as a freshman, as opposed to Oscar Shibway, who was a great player at West Virginia and the Naismith Player of the Year at Kentucky. So there's a lot more to do in a college setting for a Kennedy Chandler than, than Oscar Shibway. But Shibway is saying, I like it here. We're going to win a bunch of games, and I can be a first-round pick next year. We'll see. And make the same amount of money, which, I mean, you could argue that you could do that anyway uh, back in the day, before July 1st, 2021. But... Um, he, now he can do it, and it's on the up and up. Um, we'll, we'll get into that more with, with Dan Donkich coming up in about 10 minutes. Draft headlines, fact or fiction, um, with some of the news out there about next Thursday's first round. The Jags remain undecided on the number one overall pick, leaning towards Trayvon Walker, according to uh, multiple reports. They're trying to decide between him or Hutchinson, potentially left tackle. Guys, do you believe... As we sit here today, Jacksonville does not know who the number one overall selection is. This is solidly fact because it's Jacksonville. Does not surprise me at all that they don't have a clear direction. There's also a, a lot of – there's such varied needs for them, right? I mean, you could see them taking a lot of different spots in this draft and making sense for their roster in terms of what they need for this team. So for that reason, obviously you've got all the choices in the world with the number one overall pick, it leads to some uncertainty. There's not uh, the no-brainer left tackle, and it lines up with we have the need at left tackle for this team. So because of that, there's not one position, one huge need for Jacksonville. There's a lot of needs for Jacksonville, and there's not a lot of no-brainer guys at the top of this draft. I, I totally buy that they're uncertain on what they're going to do. I believe it. I, I think um... – it's partly the, the fault of the draft calendar, and I've said the draft should be moved up for a long time now. I, I think it's kind of a, hey, you know, we've got this time. Might as well use it. So there's no, there's no reason for us to decide yet. We've got a bunch of days still here, Hut, to sit around and break this down more and talk about it more. So we're going to do it. Do Paul, that. forgive me. Who is the, who's the front office guy who was brought in to be a consultant? With them, and then ultimately they trust their coach now more than what they thought they well, would. Well, they talked about Spielman coming That's in, it. but I don't think they hired Spielman. He wasn't there? I, I don't think he's there. So, 
He might be, but I, I think I don't, I don't know how you have. interview for a job and then land a head coaching job and pair with the general manager without having a certain plan. You know, John Robinson, whenever he was hired as the general manager, specifically said in the interview they're going to start up front on the lines and then move forward uh, or outward to the skilled position players. I, with the number one overall selection, I think you can present a clear plan and know the direction. I think the plan, I think they know the position. They may not know the player. But if they don't know the player, that means they're talking themselves into Trayvon Walker. And passing on Aiden Hutchinson, which is even more surprising, given the, given the fact we kind of know what Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson should be at the next level. Yeah, I'm looking, by the way, speaking. I'm looking at their organizational chart right now, and I'm just seeing Trent Baalke as GM. I'm even looking through their coaching staff to see if they hid someone into their coaching, oh, staff, coaching staff with some staff. role. No, I'm, seeing a, a, I'm seeing a March There's 1st story from Sports Illustrated that said that Khan put that whole executive vice president thing on hold. So, to me, that's because their Balky is working well uh, and paired well with Peterson. Uh, Peterson and their entire organizational flow. And, and because of that, I don't, I don't know how they wouldn't know a direction that they're going. And if they're really trying to talk themselves into Trayvon Walker, <laughs> to, to me, that's a, that's a problem. They should already know whether or not he's worthy of the number one overall pick by now, not a week prior. Um, the Lions will draft a quarterback in the first round. Fact or fiction? I, I think, I think – I'll go first. I think fact, but at 32. Um, and probably the third or fourth guy. I'm going to say fiction. I think this is going to be the first case, maybe in a long time, of someone actually being quarterback patient and just rolling with golf. And, it, and, and you've got – you don't have some offensive guru at head coach in Dan Campbell. I think you got someone – I think that, that the front office and ownership has patience with him right now. He knows they have so many needs that I, I think you're going to see two different positions at 2 and 32 in this draft, and they don't draft a quarterback with either one of those spots. As much mm-hmm. – as crazy as that sounds, because I've been hesitant to admit the whole time that they're not going to draft a quarterback, I think that's the way they go. I'm going to change my call. They're going to Did trade, I convince you? No, they're going to trade 32 to somebody that can't resist a Corral or a Ritter or somebody like that, that that's left. Uh, and then they could turn that into to, to some seconds. I, I lean as it's a fact that they're drafting uh, a quarterback because I, I think they, they told us how they feel about Goff through their head coach last year and leadership. Um, and without – that guy, you're not, you're nothing. I don't know what Goff commands on a trade market next year or what he counts against the cap, but with two first round picks and hypothetically, you have your option to kind of set the stage for round two with the final selection. You have your pick of the board there. I think you could be patient and still end up with a pretty good guy that you can develop behind Goff and eventually be the guy. Um, and it's Detroit. That's why I also say fact. Because it's Detroit. They're, when, when have they ever gone <laughs> with the right decision early in a draft? I just don't know why they're surprised that Goff doesn't have this leadership quality and, and stuff. They were hoodwinked. I mean, I'd be surprised, but I, I, the only surprise to me is that they said it publicly. Dan Campbell said after the game, midway through the regular season, yeah, Jared's got to be more of a leader. We're going to have to talk about that. Yeah. 
I mean, that's a glaring sign that you need a different guy behind center. They shouldn't have accepted him as now, part of the, of the Stafford deal. Now, fact or fiction number three kind of plays into number two. The Steelers are trading up for Malik Willis. There's a lot of talk about this right now, that the Steelers will be aggressive in trying to get ahead of Carolina. I'm going to say fact uh, on this one. Um, I, I think Trubisky was never the plan to be the starter. He was the plan to be the guy who could start while they got their rookie quarterback going. And I think that rookie quarterback that's going to need a little bit of time and not start week one is Malik Willis. I think that they are dead set on trading up to get him. You know, people say that the Steelers trading up is very not Steeler-like. Last year, the Steelers, was it last year for Devin Bush? They moved up. Uh, they gave up 20 and 52 to get to 10, uh, 20 and 52 and a, and a third round pick. This was a couple of years ago to get up for Devin Bush. So it's not like it's sacrosanct for the Steelers to trade up. I think Kevin Colbert's a great GM. This is his, you know, this next weekend is his last hurrah as GM, and he will retire after that. I think he wants to leave them in the best shape he can, and mm -hmm. that would be with the quarterback. But I also think if he doesn't think one of these quarterbacks is the guy, he's not going to force it. Um, I think it depends totally on the value of getting up there. I think that he probably likes Malik Willis, but if it's standard price to get to, to where he wants to get in order to get Malik Willis, he won't pay it. If he can get it at a discounted price that feels right for this draft, he'll, he'll do it. If, it. if it's draft chart price, he won't do it. This, this is why I, I should have reordered these because the, if the Lions think the Steelers are moving up ahead of Carolina to draft Willis and they like him, they'll draft him at two. That's why you're starting to hear Lions and Malik Willis at number two overall, and it's because they, they believe he's not available later in the draft. Well, this Steelers moving up for Willis thing has been out there for yes. quite some time. It was out there at the combo. But, but how far would you have to move up? Now, now the discussion is you have to get ahead of Carolina, who's likely. See, I think it's growing that Carolina's not going to go quarterback. Just stick with Darnold? Just accept that it's not this quarterback isn't going to fix their their issues. I, I mean, I just uh, that goes against everything David Tepper has ever discussed. And again, this goes back Doesn't to our I, discussion well, of how no, weird I, the whole Baker Mayfield thing is because Baker wants, Mayfield improves your fortunes. He wants a over big Sam time quarterback. So if they if somebody's convincing him, Fitterer or himself thinks these guys don't cut it, then maybe he talks himself into into waiting because next year's do cut it. I mean, I would much rather, though, take it. If you're looking for a big-time quarterback personality for that market, for that team, whatever, I'd at least take a flyer on Baker Mayfield, who's out there. I agree with that. I mean, if, it, if it's bad, if you find out all these things, that he's yeah. not the it's adult in the year. room, it's, it's not a guarantee. There's no guaranteed contract. You can be done after a year. And then go find your guy in the draft. I don't understand why. It goes back to a previous conversation, but it's weird that no one seems to want Baker Mayfield. Especially, Yet Carson Wentz can get a trade yeah, deal done quickly. If, if Cleveland's taking some of the costs, which we know they will, Cleveland's got to offload him. The, only, uh, the argument a, for Willis uh, at, in Carolina is you can build around the cheaper quarterback for three years. Right? Like you, can, you can afford Christian McCaffrey a little longer than when you're going to have to trade him or cut him. Yeah, or he's dinged again. Is, is Mayfield moved? Let's add another one. Uh, this is more of a yes or no. Is Mayfield on another team by 
the end of the Monday after the draft. Yes. I think so, too. Yes, he's moved. And it's not, it's I'll, not I'll say for yes much. Too. In fact, it may be Cleveland trading a pick. <laughs> yeah, Just Os- to move Osweiler, him. Cap. Yeah, you move, you move Mayfield and a pick in exchange for lesser taking pick. him on. Because right now, no team's willing to do it, but surprisingly. There's, a, there's something going on behind the scenes. Somebody get a steal. We've never heard. Potentially. I, I don't, otherwise, I mean, the whole toxic stuff and the, I know what John what McClain was saying about no one's coming to a defense, but again, I, it's also, I haven't heard many people say um, that we need an adult in the room. I mean, consider the, the if we're going to play that game, consider the malcontents who have made their way through the Cleveland organization over the last four years. Oh, through the league. And through the plus, league. Plus, we found, I mean, we I found some people defending that. him. And we found people saying a lot worse about Carson Wentz, to, to Chad's point. Well, they came from the front office or the coaching staff because it was yeah, uh, Haslam who said it didn't come from, quote, ownership. Right, that's what I'm saying. Haslam denied it big time. So it's not, not us. Not, 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 we didn't say that. I want to know who specifically said it because that cuts the credibility of the statement. It yeah. had to be Ballard because it's still, or it's somebody. It's also Cleveland. Ballard or somebody in the front office. So do we completely buy the right. source? You know, with Cleveland. We're not talking about the New England Patriots organization. Mm-hmm. Oh, in Cleveland, it could have come from pl- plenty of places. I mean, I don't think anybody heard that and thought, ooh, that's super out of character for Baker Mayfield. I mean, you could see that there could be a streak of immaturity in him that would lead somebody to say that. In what way? Uh, I, I think in the way he carries himself. I don't know. By it's playing fine. through an injury before surgery? No, I, or? Thought, I, thought, I, I respect the injury stuff and everything, but I could see, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't that surprised to hear that. I didn't think, whoa, that's like out of the blue. I don't have any evidence for it. I just think in the way he carries himself, you could see a little bit of immaturity. I guess. I mean, I, I mean I, we could see Because of Oklahoma. the inconsistency. I mean, he ran from cops uh, in college and had the little incident there. Planted a flag. Planted a flag. He had some celebration issues. No, Upside down. I haven't, the seen, I haven't seen a lot of that. History. It's more swagger that I see in the NFL, not you know acting out. But with the inconsistency, you, you, you yeah. always worry about stuff like that. Dan Dockich, he's the adult in the room. Don't at me with Dan Dockich. He joins us next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. His name is Dan Dockich. Don't add him. Outkick 360 rolls on. Don't even think about it. Dan joins us each and every week at this time. Dan, hope you're doing well, bro. And what a backdrop. What a beautiful home hey, studio we see you from. it's about time. Have you left since this morning's show? I did. I went downtown Indy, baby, and I got it done downtown talking about Matt Ryan and all the great draft choices that the Colts already have because in our local market, no matter what Chris Ballard does, it's always great, so it doesn't matter. Whoever he drafts is fantastic, so... 
I'm already giving him an A grade. There you go. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about where the Dan first was. Pre-draft A grade in history. Dan's Dan, giving it. To Dan the was sucking yeah. up, sucking up to sponsors. Uh, he informed me this morning because I asked him if if he'd be gracing us from his car or if he'd managed to get back to a studio. I didn't imagine we'd have a backdrop. Actually, he'd grace it's us awesome. with that. But he said, uh, yeah. yeah, he had to meet with all of his sponsors. So it's a, amazing. You probably have ten more of those after no, this. No, no, right? no. No, not all of them, but, you know, at my age, you know, uh, you got you to gotta get some money. You know, when, yeah, when you spend, hey, look, I've said forever, I'll endorse a grapefruit. I haven't eaten a grapefruit in 20 years, but I'll endorse a grapefruit. You grapefruit guys out there, 107.5 The Fan, by the way. Does great, it, it's great for male enhancement, those grapefruits. Yeah, the, uh, it's the, sports the, talk the, radio. The grapefruit yeah. lobby is about to contact right. Dan to be one of their, hey, their big lobbyists. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of grapefruits, are, are we going to see a fan grow a pair and go after Kyrie Irving eventually with all the antics we're seeing right now in this series? <laughs> hey, Boston's nasty, man. Boston is tough. And when you betray them, like they feel like Kyrie Irving did them, you know, it's, it's a badge of honor, really, if you think about it. I mean, Boston's seen a lot of great players come through there with the Celtics, seen a lot of great players come through there with other teams. And for them to be all excited about Kyrie Irving – uh, you know, hey, he wears it. I'll tell you this. Kyrie Irving was sensational scoring the ball, but man, oh, man, he cost him. Like, in that last possession when Jason Tatum went and laid oh, it in, yeah. he was literally, like, as, as a coach, you'd be like, the hell are you doing? Where, where are you going? You're spinning around. So, you know, I don't think anybody got to him. Nobody's going to notice that because everybody looks at scoring and numbers when it comes to the NBA. And I do think the Nets will win tonight, and I think Kyrie will play pretty well. But uh, he better tighten it up defensively or else they're going to they're gonna be a bit of a disappointment. When you think about the Nets, they bring in Durant, Kyrie, James Harden, and they haven't won anything. They haven't done anything. So this is the year of bust, I guess. So Oscar Shibway is coming back to Kentucky, the, the Naismith Player of the Year, Dan. And, and we had a, a brief discussion about this. But with NIL now, the ability for players to come back for a year, if they're a mid-second round pick, low second round pick, and you can go to a program like Kentucky, you're probably going to make a lot of money to play one more year at a place like Kentucky. It's got to be appealing uh, for a player like Oscar Shibway coming back to the Wildcats. Yeah, I, I think it's a difference maker. Look, maybe Shibway would have gone, you know, and stayed anyway. I, I don't know, but he, he, his game, you know, everybody tells me it doesn't fit the NBA game fine. I don't know. But, yeah, there's no question. I, I was just down at IU at Indiana yesterday. My wife and I went to a softball game. And one of the guys there, you know, in the athletic department came and, and sat with us. I said, all right, what's Trace Jackson Davis, you know, making around here? He goes, ah, probably 200000 250 I would assume for a guy like Sheboy in that state with that kind of crazy in Lexington where they have all these businesses and no pro sports team. Wouldn't surprise me if he could make a million. There were rumors that Illinois was trying to get a million dollars together to keep Kofi Coburn uh, at Illinois. I have no idea whether that's true or not. Uh, people just tell me things. Some I disregard. Some I pay attention to, as I know you guys do. But that was always the rumor. So that's the number we're talking about here. You know, that number's been thrown out, obviously, for Bryce Young. Montana Fouts, the pitcher at Alabama's in that kind of a range. So, hey, look, if I can make a million, play at Kentucky – get my education, which I assume Shibway, you know, is going to do. It's a pretty good deal, and then I take my chances, but at least I'm starting with what? What do you think? Isaiah Thomas used to tell us this. He told Coach Knight and I this. 
when he was the head of the Players Association in the NBA. 52 cents on every dollar is gone. Now, I don't know what tax base, you know, what he would be, 35, whatever. So let's say he loses 350 of that. He's still over 600,000. So good for him. Dan, help me, help me with this. I'm not that smart when it comes to questions like this. And not, not everything has to compare to the NFL. But in the NFL, if there's a college football player that's at the top of his game in college football, the NFL will adapt to that player. And in the NBA, if I look at the mock draft, I still see mm. some top players from Auburn, from Kentucky, from Duke. But I don't see the top players in the tournament translate to the association all that often. Why is that? Because it's a it's a totally different game. It, it, it is um, the, the in the NFL you don't have Serbians. You know what I mean? I mean you don't. Yeah. You got American kids, American players. Now basketball. I mean Serbia grows kids like Nikolai Jokic and and going back Peja Stojakovic. Uh, Vladi Divac, guys that can shoot it at six foot ten to seven foot two, and that's what the NBA game has become. It's become an international game. Our game, when you watch it and you talk to NBA people, is considered a JV. It's considered a junior varsity in terms of talent, in terms of shot making, and in terms of the way the game is played. The rules are totally different. You can't double. There's three seconds in the lane defensively, which there isn't in college basketball. So it's a more spread out game. It's kind of interesting, though. Uh, The one guy, Jalen Brunson, for the Dallas Mavericks, led Villanova national championship, was a player of the year in the country. Everybody said he couldn't play in the NBA because of what we just said. I remember going on ESPN saying, wait a second, maybe he can't, but I know that dude's going to be on a roster. He's on a roster. He's starting in place of Doncic, another Serbian. And next thing you know, the dude's getting 41. Uh, you got to have a certain skill set to fit in, but you're so right. Like people always say to me, hey, is this guy a lottery pick? And my answer is, yeah, for American kids. But, hell, I I don't know when the next Greek freak's coming from Greece, or I don't know who the international players are. And that's the biggest difference. It's such an international game. Everybody over there gets taught to play basketball at 10 years old in academies. They go to school some, but the better players are working on their skills, and it's brought a whole bigger, better skill set to the NBA. Do you want Debo Samuel? If he cost you a couple picks and uh, and the kind of, kind of contract he's looking for, give up Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, a pick. I don't care because the contract. You know the Colts are going to go. Ha- and this and Ballard told me this. I don't know if he's telling the truth or not, but he knows he's going to pay Quentin Nelson left tackle money to be a left guard. So you're going to pay a big contract anyway. In my world, which hey, look. Everybody tells me I don't know nothing about football, so I'll I'll go along with that. But in my world, hey, you can find yourself a left guard, but I don't know if you can find yourself a guy like Debo Samuels that can go make plays and break a defense and break a game wide open. And as I sit here, and Paul, you and I, you were great today on on our show, we talk about it, playmakers, we talk about these wide receivers. Colts don't have any. And when I say none, I mean none. Like, Pittman's a nice player, but he's slow. He's a possession guy. T.Y. Hilton's old as me. Paris Campbell was supposed to be the guy, but he'd been hurt since the time he came in the league, and God knows if he can really play because he hasn't played. If you're going to make a run, at least the way I look at modern football, you got to get through the Titans. you got to get through Kansas City. You're going to have to get through uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, uh, Herbert. You better be able to score some points. And last I looked, hey, running back's really good for the Colts. 
The quarterback's going to be all right. But daggone, you better get some weapons. So, hey, I'm saying throw the sink, whatever you got to throw at him, because you're going to put money in freaking in, in big money in a left freaking guard. Are you kidding me? I'd rather put it in the guy that can break open the game. Dan, I know you have Allison Williams on your show uh, weekly. Help me with this story. I know Mel Kuyper is not allowed to be in Vegas for the NFL draft, so he will join the remotely because he's not vaccinated. But Allison Williams was fired from ESPN for not being vaccinated, or was she given an ultimatum and left? Explain how that worked. I know you talked to Allison about this on your show. Yeah. Yeah, the ultimatum is basically being fired. I mean, they knew she wasn't going to do it. And the difference is this. You get to a level here, and the people that you work with on a daily basis at ESPN are great, whether it's basketball, football. Man, they're friends of mine still. But when it gets beyond that, when it gets into corporate guidelines, then it becomes very cold. I don't get, and this is why I brought it up to Allison today on Don't At Me, I don't get how Mel Kuyper is able to do this remotely. Now, I understand the NFL rules the roost, and Allison is a college host. She's a college sideline reporter. She's a college football reporter. She can do much of what she can do, as she explained to me, remotely. No different than what Mel Kuyper can. Now, obviously, you got to be at a game to be a sideline reporter. They didn't even broach it with her, man. They just said, hey, look, you don't do this, you're out. She's a very uber, uber smart woman. She's one of those people that when you talk to, you feel smarter because she's your friend and she's always been that way. We worked for years together with Tariko uh, on the Big Ten package for ESPN. She's always been that way. But it's kind of confusing to me, except for the fact that we all understand NFL rules the roost. And let's be honest, if you're going to have an NFL draft and you don't have Mel Kuyper and your ESPN, then what the hell are you doing? So that's basically the bottom line. It seems, um, it seems a bit unfair, really. But I guess, you know, I guess life's unfair. But, you no, know, Allison was never given a, hey, look, we want you to do this. Uh, uh, we'll work with you. Uh-uh. Once it got to this level, there was no working with her like ESPN worked with Mel Kuyper. So, Dan, you know, I'm, I'm a big basketball fan. I'm also a big fan of entertainment in, in all forms. I, I've been watching this Winning Time show the rise of the Lakers on, on HBO on Sunday night, and I'm enjoying the heck out of it, uh, watching it. And I understand because I know enough about that era that there's some inaccuracies there or things that clearly they don't know everything about that you have to put in the show, uh, even though only two people were a part of it and you didn't talk to either of the two people. But what they've done with Jerry West is a very interesting direction in that apparently everyone who knew Jerry West says, this is completely false. This is not the man they knew at all. He was not this type of character. Now Jerry West is threatening a lawsuit. What do you think about all this, I guess, from both the HBO perspective, but also Jerry West and his family's perspective? Hey, look, I, I don't know Jerry West. I've met him. I've, I, I've had a couple conversations with him. Uh, I just go by what you just said, and literally everybody that knows the man. I love this series. Like, I know it's going to have falsities, but one thing I don't like, and I actually, to the detriment of my job at ESPN, they were doing a 30 for 30 on Bob Knight and the whole choking Neil Reed and why he got fired, and I was there longer than anybody. ESPN was doing it. They wanted me to be a part of it, and I said no. You know, they had this director guy, uh, uh, Robert Abbott, who I thought was a dirtbag. He's calling me, and I'm like, no. So the head of ESPN's calling me. I go, no, I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. 
I go, Bob Knight is 80 years old or 70 years old. Why has he got to wake up and relive all this crap? I think it's a bad thing that we're doing in this country. I think it's misinformation towards people who now, 40 years later, are portrayed in a way that tarnishes their legacy. Look, Bob Knight did what he did fine. And if they portrayed it accurately in people's mind, that's fine. I know a little bit different. That's fine, too. But Jerry West is being portrayed in a way that is 180 degrees opposite from what everybody, and I mean everybody, that knows the man. And I think this stinks. I think this is horrendous. What do you have to do now? Just because you become success, successful, do you have to worry once you're done and you're retired that some clown as an author is going to write something, it's going to get picked up, and next thing you know, your entire body of work throughout the course of your life is going to be tarnished because of one series. I think it's crap. I think it's dangerous. I'm so hopeful that Jerry West is able to get whatever satisfaction Jerry West wants to get out of this. I know he wants a retraction. I don't know what good that'll do. Hell, it already seems like it's out there. Uh, I personally, when I first started the series, I couldn't believe what they were painting Jerry West as this kind of wimpy dude. That is not who people that I knew Jerry West as well. Now he's kind of a raging alcoholic kind of guy. I think it's crap, and I hope he gets whatever satisfaction. But I don't see this kind of crap stopping. Like, even in Michael Jordan's deal. Hey, look, all right, Scottie Pippen's mad, guys are mad. I just don't like it. I know we want to go back in history. I know Jordan's thing made this all popular. I get all that. But damn, man, a guy's 80 years old. He's lived a great life. He's done so many good things for people. And all of a sudden, some writer writes a book. Next thing you know, they take liberties and he looks like a jerk. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. That's really good. At least he's alive hey. to confront it, right? Yeah. You know, he, he's around yeah, to see yeah, it yeah, and you know, voice his displeasure. Yeah, maybe it'd be better if he wasn't. Yeah. I think it's better that he is. Yeah, I was just going to say that, Paul. You know, you can confront it, but let's be honest. Uh, you mentioned it when you said, hey, look, I, I remember this era. A lot of people don't. The majority of hell, my producer, it, he doesn't. So now, you know, now, not only him, but his family. I mean, I just, I just, think, it, I just think it's crap. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I don't get along with Bob Knight. Uh, I don't respect him. I worked for him 16 years. We got along great. Loved working for him, loved playing for him. When I went to ESPN, he did some things that I called him on. It wasn't great. I don't respect what he did. Fine. But that doesn't mean at 78 years old, all of a sudden you wake up one day and, and your wife or somebody says, oh, by the way, they're doing a 30 for 30 on you. Or by the way, Jerry, they're doing this winning time piece where it's going to make you look like an idiot. You go, what? what? I, I, I freaking hate it, but I'm also smart enough to know it ain't stopping. It ain't stopping. The NFL would just have it shut down like playmakers. Yeah, the NBA likes the uh, li- likes, <laughs> yeah, likes the attention. I mean, you said that, and oh, I'm thinking, what's I the should, NFL one? And I should also jumps to mind. I should also say that I wasn't old enough to remember it, like living through it. But I've read enough about Jerry West and those Lakers teams, and seen enough interviews with Jerry West yeah, to know yeah. this is really extreme. You know, from the first time you see the portrayal of him in the show, it's like I don't remember Jerry West. Throwing clubs at people on golf courses. It doesn't seem like the Jerry West. He's also got a a, a bad depression issue and mental health issue that he's talked a lot about in recent years. And he was known as more of an introvert, depressed type, and not an outwardly raging personality. That doesn't play as well on TV. Right. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, what do you want to see? You know, and Jerry West is a big name. So what are we doing? We're talking about winning time. So what's going to happen? The more people that talk about it, the more you're going to go out there 
and look at it. I've always said this, man. I- I'm telling you, if your show that you guys have had together for however many years, if somebody came in with an agenda against one of you and decided we're going to do the history you know, of your show, going back to when you guys were on terrestrial radio through right now, the great job you're doing here on Outkick 360. If somebody came in and said, look, we want to do a documentary on it, and, one, and, and the guy had a dis, distasteful view of one of you, Hell, it, it, what's, you know, that's just, you're going to be portrayed in a certain way. I don't believe, and this is just me personally, I don't believe that anybody is safe from the scrutiny that these kind of shows are under at not something in the background, something looking bad. It's just a matter of who do you want to pick on? Who's the most interesting person to pick on? You're not going to pick on Kareem. You're not going to pick on Magic. Who are you going to pick on? Jerry West seemed like an easy target. Big enough name. Uh, enough involved where he set the thing up, but also enough in the background. And also socially, social justice-wise, it doesn't hurt to pick on a guy like Jerry West. So you know what? I think it stinks. I think it's awful. I wish we'd just go back to honest portrayals and honesty. It's what he brings you with, on Don't At Me. Honesty. Dan Dockich, every week with us and every day across <laughs> the Outkick Network. Dan, thank you as always. Great stuff. Get back to your sponsors. I... Uh, uh, I got to go find some oranges, some cherries, some grapes, and some grapefruits. We'll talk right, to you, let boys. Let them drop. Let them See hang. You. See ya. Dan Dockett's there. <laughs> oh, let don't, drop. don't at me. Uh, drop the grapefruits there, Dan. Uh, coming up, um, man, Garrett Cole could could have some <laughs> use a little energy I got like some, Dan Dockett's, some right? It's beyond oh, the surface numbers. Wow, it's, it's rough. We'll, we'll get into that among our headlines that include the Carolina Panthers and Kyrie Irving and much more on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. I'll admit it. I liked Major League Baseball on roids. And I like pitchers using spider tack. Outkick 360 rolls on. You take it away and some of these high-paid dudes are not looking so great, Paul. Garrett Cole, uh, maybe the worst of the of the lot. And um, Trevor Bauer was also not pitching all that great before he was placed on the exempt list. So Cole was a horror show last night. He threw 68 pitches in one and two-thirds of an inning. 68 pitches. Last night, Yankees against Tigers. One batter short of five innings, Chad. They threw 241 (laughs) pitches. 241 pitches. Four Tigers, two Yankees. That seems like a lot. That's a lot. Let me talk you through what Garrett Cole has done since June 5th, I think, last year, when they made the alteration in The spider spider tack ruling. Well, they started checking the uniforms, right? right? So last year, 110.2 innings. Gave up 101 hits and 32 walks. So 133 men put on base in 110.2 innings. That's not good. 4.15 ERA. His team was 10-9 and in his starts. His record was 10-6. and So that's not that bad. But this year, um, it was June 3rd, 2021, by the way. This year... 11.1 innings, 
nine hits, seven walks, 6.35 earned one Ooh. run average. No decisions. The team, remarkably, two and one in his three starts. I don't know how the hell that's possible because they don't score. The, the reason the Yankees are winning any games is because their bullpen has been phenomenal. He's, he stinks since June 3rd last year. Can you ask for a refund if you're the Yankees when you get back and say, hey, uh, I got this defective product that we didn't realize at the time his entire career was based on spider tech. And <laughs> so once they remove that, we're, it's a depreciating asset. We need to get some money back. He could have washed away a lot of it with a wild card win against the Red Sox, right? You, you buy yourself a lot if you're a Yankee by going out against the Red Sox and throwing, say, six shutout innings and striking out, you know, 10 guys. I think he didn't make it out of the first inning in that game. So Joe Kenzie of OutKick, um, who's got his daily column, which, which I love, screen caps, he says, because I tweeted out that Jonathan Hutton preferred baseball on roids. We're discussing it now. Yes, I do. He says, I also preferred baseball on PEDs and also when guys could actually make contact, <laughs> which, is so, which is why I want to get back to Stephen Kwan of the Cleveland Guardians, <laughs> my new favorite player. I'm going to continue to preach the gospel of one Stephen Kwan, who Tyler informed me didn't even play today. Uh, and they That's still how good won. the Guardians. Guardians are. were up ten nothing at last check, and uh, Stephen Kwan didn't even play. Well, they should do a side by side of Stephen Kwan and Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo makes zero contact, and Stephen Kwan never doesn't make contact. Stephen uh, Kwan said when he was in Little League, he'd cry if he struck yeah. out, and he decided I just don't want to cry, cry anymore. anymore. I'm tired of crying, I so I stopped cr- crying. I don't want to cry think, anymore, Garrett Cole. You think Garrett Cole's crying at all? Oh, no, he's, nine he's, years, three hundred twenty-four million. Well, he is. He's thinking about what island he's going to buy this offseason. He is outwardly, <laughs> he is outwardly tortured by this hut. Am I going to buy one of the Galapagos or one of the Easter Islands? He is outwardly oh. tortured. Oh, oh. Inwardly, he's he's going to the bank. The Maldives. Yes. <laughs>